Welcome to another episode of the BU Podcast, where light banter meets deep topics of the heart and soul. I'm your host, Chris Sirock. Welcome, my friends. We've got another fantastic episode for you today. Dr. Victor Manzo is a business mindset coach, self-mastery expert, author, podcaster, and certified pediatric chiropractor. He helps individuals and business owners uncover limiting beliefs, blocks, behaviors, habits, and patterns of thinking that prevent them from living the life or creating the business they like to experience. By reprogramming the mind, Dr. Vic helps you reshift focus, learn spiritual truths, and bring quantum physics into the mix to unveil your true potential, and then make that a reality. Dr. Vic is also the host of The Mindful Experiment, which is ranked in the top 1% of podcasts globally. So welcome to the show, Victor. It's such a pleasure to have you as my guest. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So as mentioned, the point where we want to be of service to others usually doesn't come easy because we have to work through the things ourselves before we can help others. So walk us through a little bit of your life, some of the twists and turns that got you to where you are today. You know, it's funny, all the twists and turns is the path. And, and we think it should be a linear thing. At least that's how I thought it always should have been. And it's amazing how life, universe, God, whatever you want to call it, navigates and guides through this journey to help us to really find what it is within, you know, bringing circumstances, situations. And my first one, this is what got me to become a chiropractor. Um, 13 years old, I wanted to get into health. I wasn't always a fit kid. My mom used to say I had a natural belly, but uh, my mom was a fitness instructor. And so I saw her blending, juicing, taking supplements, working out. And she was always in great shape. People always said, wow, your skin is radiating. You're always great fit, you know, all these different things. So in my mind, what I started to cultivate and what I was getting conditioned is, is that working out and eating right is health. That's the foundation, the health. And so I followed that, you know, 13 years old, started working out you know, specifically. I, I played sports, but 16 years old, I wanted to learn nutrition. I want to understand more about what foods, what herbs, what this can help me become healthier and be as natural as possible. And then at 19 years old, universe, whatever, had a different plan. It, it decided that it was going to challenge me. So I'm playing rugby at Arizona State and working out four days a week, plus rugby practices, which two days a week, which are two and a half hours. And then on top of that, a game or two on the weekend. And so I was in the best shape physically, but every month my health would decline. Something new would show up. And, and it was very interesting. And it was one of those things like I started trying to different other supplements. I was looking at different herbs. I was trying everything that I knew in that box. And was it working? And so I started to get a little scared. I started to get a little worried because I didn't know it was outside my knowledge at the time. And there was a point where this is where chiropractic came in. And, you know, I had a chiropractor that told me, your symptoms and all that, we'll get that away before you go back to school. And then he told me I had to go to chiropractic care for the rest of my life. And long story short, it was a game changer. That was an aha moment in health that redirected me. The reason why I say it redirected me was because I was going into computer science at the time. And, you know, my dad's like, go there. That's where the future is. That's where it makes a lot of money. And I was like, I can't see myself sitting and making a program for four or six hours in front of a computer. I just was able to create a bank account that takes deposits and withdrawals and uh, it lets you know when you're negative. That's what I created. And I was just like, I can't see my life being this. And so that was kind of one journey. I've had many other and I can dive into a gazillion of them, but it's, it's one of those things where 
that was the health aspect that redirected me to become a chiropractor. And I have, I've also had many turns there too, um, throughout school, throughout thinking what I was going to do, work for somebody who was going to cultivate and mentor me. But then when I got to that point, the conversation wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And I was like, maybe life's throwing something else at me. Or I had an investor and last minute, the investor decides not to come through on the day where I needed the transfer of funds and everything. So it's like, okay, what's life trying to teach me here? Or what's happening here? And so I've had a lot of things where it has taught me over time. And I'm trying to master this now where it's like, you know, they say, when you make a plan, God laughs at you. It's one of those things where I'm like trying to get to the point where I'm saying it's important to have a plan, but just kind of like let it go after a while and just embrace whatever shows up and just be in that moment, be present and just be in the process and enjoy the journey and be more of that observer, but enjoy those ups and downs and like in a more of like when you watch a movie, right? The emotional tone of a movie takes you up and down. That's what captivates you and keeps you involved in it. And so it's one of those things where working towards that place of mastering that is where I'm at now through all the journeys of these curveballs that life has thrown at me. Yeah, that's awesome. So you mentioned health is obviously a, a big one that the awakening powers within us reach us because uh, that's when we really feel our guess, mortality or our humanness, if you will. Now, you mentioned in there that you said you could hear the guiding voice. What was that experience like, especially when you're so young, you just have this guidance system that you were aware of, it's there, and, and then you're just going to start listening to it? I did trust it when I was young, up until about 12 years old. I had this intuition where I can pick up on people and know where their emotion is. I can actually even read their thoughts, in a sense, based on emotion. So it wasn't like I'm reading their mind. I could just pick up on emotions, and then words would come to me, and I could share and that was a cool thing to do until 12. And the reason why I say 12 is because I finally gave up on it. Because it's one of those things where people will be like, you're just picking up, you're being negative, or you're just trying to pick up on something. And I'm just like, oh, I'm sorry, I just, I could feel this off you or something. They thought that was crazy. So eventually I shut it down. Um, I always trusted it still to some degree, but not to the level where I'm at now. And when I was going to the chiropractor, something told me, because I was going to go to a medical doctor originally. But that felt wrong, but I was still going that route. And then last minute, my mom was like, why don't you go see the chiropractor? And I used to see this guy when I was a kid. And it was one of those things where someone told me that was right. Don't know why. I trusted it. This is also the same feeling that showed up later when I chose to become a chiropractor, what school I wanted to go to. I've let this guide me so much that I even walked away from the profession. Not 100% because I, I do coaching for chiropractors also. But it's one of the things where I didn't get back into it until I was about 24. And since then, I've been really trusting that process, trusting that feeling, letting my feeling guide and navigate me through these waters of life rather than my mind leading the way, which only makes the storm worse. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Cool. So it happened so often happened to me too. In those younger years, something happened. Somebody said something. We share our, our dreams, our desires or whatever it may be, our talents, and then we get shut down. And <laughs> And it can take a long time to come back. Now, you mentioned at 24, you started listening. And was there something that shifted in you at that point that was like, okay, I'm back? <laughs> well, that was a process. What would happen was when I was in chiropractic school, I was also going to learn energy medicine outside of school. I wanted to learn healing at the deepest level. And unfortunately, I wasn't learning it in school. Because a lot of times people think chiropractic is medical. It's really more vitalistic than anything else. That's where we come from. And I had a friend who was in the energy aspect of things. So she did energy healing and all this stuff. And she's like, you are very intuitive. She's like, you know things, but your mind takes over and, and blocks you from it. So she started to challenge me. And at first, just like anything else, when someone's hitting a truth on you, 
you don't like it, you react, right? And so I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, so she used to play a game with me. And what it was is she would think of a number between one and 10. And then when she had it, she'll say, okay, now intuitively pick up on what number you think I'm thinking of. And man, you think that's an easy thing? My mind was just going like crazy because my gut said one thing, but my mind started thinking things. Well, she chose this number before. Let's see. So, so the option of that. So I'm thinking probabilities in my head instead of trust and just go. And I appreciated it because eventually I got really good at it. And I got to the point where it was just, I see a number in my head and something, it would show in different ways. And I was just be like, I don't know why I think of this number. I was just, I, I think number seven. And all of a sudden she'd be like, that's it. And I'll be like, wait, it can't be that easy. And so there I am doubting it again. So she helped me cultivate that. And I did get into energy healing, which I had to learn how to trust in systems that I don't understand or comprehend. It's way advanced my mind or whatever I understood. Like I've learned that my eyes will guide me when I look at somebody to know that there's something there. And I won't have other information except there's just something there. And then I can ask questions and I can go into that. Like it's something like, how do you know my left shoulder is bothering me? I have no clue. My eyes went to there and they're very um, interested in your left shoulder. And then you have a conversation and you're like, okay, that's cool. I had no clue that was going to show up. All right. That's pretty fun. And as time got on, that's how I built my confidence with it to understand, even with my chiropractic work, if something comes up, um, somebody be like, why'd you do that? I have no idea. And they're like, what do you mean? You're the doctor. How do you not know? I'm like, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I'm just connecting here. And that's what's showing up for today. And then all of a sudden they'll come back on whatever you did last time. I'm like, I don't even remember what I did last time. <laughs> Wow, that's so cool. What I love about that um, description there is, so you feel the intuitive hits, but then you just follow up with some questions. Like it's almost an introduction or an invitation. You're not just sitting on it, doubting it, or, or even just believing it, right? You're actually using it as the impetus to take action, initiate some conversation and the discovery, right, of what's there. And whatever may come, I mean, maybe sometimes nothing's there, but it's guiding you forward in some way. That's really cool to hear. Now, you mentioned in there how you often say, well, you don't know. So for a lot of people, that acknowledgement of like, I don't know, you know, we're supposed to know everything in this world. We're taught that we can't show, quote unquote, weakness by not knowing all this stuff. Did you have to develop that comfort of just being able to say, I don't know where it comes from? Massively. I, I developed the mind at a young age to be strong so I can overcome and survive in my upbringing. So then from that, now I'm going to go eventually shift over to, I don't know, and be okay with it. It wasn't an easy journey, but I started to understand and I really allowed the science to actually show me how much I really don't know. Because once I started going deeper into neuroscience and understanding the capacity of what the brain can handle, the vastness of the universe, the vastness of just information in general, I realized and I started to see how little to almost nothing that we really know compared to everything else out there. And it's funny because my wife will be like, I, we were dating at the time and we were going to go to this trivia thing. And I go, I hate trivia. And she's like, why? You know so much facts. She goes, I don't understand how you, you would dominate in trivia. I said, honey, I'm going to show you how actually bad I am at this and how much I don't know. So literally there's seven topics. I fail six out of seven. But then it came the one that was like about the body and human health and whatnot. And I was like, I'm going to dominate that. And we did seven out of seven. I was like, I, I better know this. This is what I meant. But the point I was trying to make, and there's been studies that done, like your mind can only comprehend 0. 0.0000, like 1% and some odd numbers of everything that exists. And once I really sat with that, it's not like I heard that. And I was like, oh, that's a cool fact. I'm going to try and make it 2%. But eventually I was just like, you know what? When I started to see healers that were very gifted or people that just didn't read somebody 
and they can help them in their life and know exactly what they need in this moment. I would always ask, how do you know that? And they go, I don't. I say you elaborated so beautifully and you were able to pinpoint this and that and this. When you look at it, it was like a beautiful artist doing something. And they're like, I don't know any of this. I'm just a receiver. And I pick up on information. I don't judge it. I stay as open as possible. And I had some healing techniques that I learned that were like that. The more you can stay open and not judge, the more healing you can help somebody out with. And so that's where that practice and understanding that cultivation about just staying open and understanding it. You don't know. Like I could tell a business client that I'm working with, all of a sudden be like, you know, I'm getting this vibe. If you think I'm nuts, whatever. Something happened at eight. I don't know, understand why the number eight shows up at me. And I'll just go like, it's male energy or is this going on? I'll just pinpoint a couple of things. I'm like, I have no idea what this means. And if it has mean nothing to you, let's just move on with the conversation that I felt like needed to share. And then the next thing that comes, I'm sitting there going, holy cow, how could I have ever known that? And it's a great way to keep my ego at bay too. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I love it when that happens where it's basically you're discovering along the way. You're not coming from a static place of knowing and then helping others from that place. You're actually kind of just like weaving a story of self-discovery and you're part of it too because you're realizing all these things as it's happening and being just as amazed. <laughs> so that's a great, great way to live, I think. Um, so I'm curious, you mentioned in there the interest in neuroscience and so you have this one side of you that is so deeply intuitive and, and, and magical and connected to the vastness of all that and how little we really know. You know, my background is in user experience design. And, and just from that area, I know that you can't design menus with more than five items because the brain stops remembering. It'll replace the next item with the, the, the last remembered. So we can barely hold on to any information. But so how do you balance or how do you see, how do you integrate both the magical world of unlimited everything and not knowing <laughs> and non-attachment and all of that to the world of science and knowledge and quote unquote hard facts or what's, what's your relationship there? You sound like my spiritual teacher for a second because when I was around 24, I was spiritual teacher looked at me and she goes, how can you be so intuitive when you're such in a left brain dominant world? Because you can switch from one to the other. Like I can be so scientific, but then I can go back into that realm of intuitive and vast. And so the thing for me is, you know, science is great. I come from the health world. I come from chiropractic. So when I look at a study and I read a study, I used to tell patients this all the time. That's just the average of what that means. Well, they say, hey, now this type of diet or doing this actually helps evaluate your health by this much percent. Yeah based upon certain people's circumstances. I was like, but at the end of the day, science gives us clues. But science has been catching up. Quantum physics has been amazing of what it has been sharing. I love quantum physics and I'm no expert. I just understand the basics, but I know enough to take it with consciousness and all that. But it's one of those things where when you think about a science, it's very, you do this every single time, this is what's going to show up. But then you have quantum physics that comes in and it's like, Ask any quantum physicist, what do you do? I don't know. I find the spookiness of life and we don't know what's going to show up, but we just know that there's parameters to leading to a certain thing. And it's really spooky how it shows up when we can find the pattern through that. But it's kind of weird, like the, the observer effect, right? They're looking, they see a result. They look away, the result changes. They go back, they look this way and it shows up. But they keep doing it over and over and they're like, we don't know how that thing is working. But at the same token, this is the aspect of it. So it's taking those clues of what science is starting to evolve and show and they say, oh, that's what spiritualism had talked about. Or this is ancient wisdom back, you know, three, four, five thousand years ago, or hermetic principles, or whatever that may be. It's like, 
holy cow, they're coming together, even in neuroscience, um, that what you imagine is what you can create in your life, right? It's always been said, what you see in the mind's eyes, what you'll see in your reality and all these different things. Well, there's neuroscience principles that back that up. And so for me, seeing the vastness, always looking at the big picture, never getting reduction style, shrinking that down, I think that's what allows me to balance this as much as possible and be able to pull from both worlds and say, wow, that little snippet there, that ties to this, great. And never allowing systems or protocols or I call it cookie cutter processes to take over, which my left brain will like that, right? I love a system. I love processing those. But what I have learned over time, and I really give credit to chiropractic in this because chiropractic is an individual approach. We make different adjustments, affects different people in different ways, different processes, different systems, the way that the body adapts, the way the brain changes, so that it's all different for each individual. And understanding that has what allowed me to really open up to more and be like, every aspect of life is individual. Down to the nittiest gritty, every aspect. You have similarities, yes. But, you know, it's just like looking at a chimpanzee and looking at ourselves. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think we're about one6 percent of a difference chromosome wise it might be 1.2 it's really small but look at the difference between a chimpanzee and us that's a massive difference wow that's incredible i love that looking at studies because i think so many people are led by you know oh, this is what the study says or this is what the research concludes and and ultimately those are averages right and, and there's a full spectrum that you could fall into and so not pigeonholing oneself with the research. So let me dig deeper on this. What you said earlier about how little we know, the 0.000, all of that. And you mentioned how science is catching up, right, to this ancient wisdom, this pool of everything that is known. And, and ultimately, uh, that's what we're all pulling from, right, from this cloud of everything that's already known. <laughs> so, you know, some people say there's nothing new. We're just always just kind of reformulating. But when we latch on to new discovery or new research as a belief, when really we know so very little, we can't possibly know all the variables, all the biases that go into research anyways, right? The proton accelerator, when people are watching, more of them collide because there's an expectation. So at the level of matter, we're manifesting constantly what we're seeking and all of this stuff. So what is the true value of knowledge then? That question of knowledge is the same thing as what's the purpose of ego? Because if you think about it that way, right? Knowledge, it's memory, it's processing, it's taking things, knowing a pattern of some sort. It's good for survival, but we're in an information era, right? And so all you see is constant information. We're downloading more information than we've ever had in the existence of human history before. Um, have we become wiser? Have we evolved to higher beings and lived more fulfilled lives? Research shows it's the opposite. We have mental health going through the roof. The pandemic accelerated that, but it was already happening before too. And when you look at those kind of things, there's an aspect of human behavior of what we want is control. And so we use knowledge to control to say, this is what it is. I mean, there's also the conditioning of the world and I call it the matrix, it's human collective consciousness, but all these different factors that play in to program our mind, it creates a construct of thinking this is what life is. And if you see, this is kind of the things that we're at and we use labels to put into those compartments. You use that to put people in a certain way or just an experience. And that's so limited because as you and I both know, there's such a vastness out there, right? Just being in the present moment and letting go of all things is way more blissful than thinking what the next thing's going to be. Because misery or unfulfillment, these low vibration emotions, that's when we think we know. That's why 
We don't enjoy the day-to-day. We think every day, and this is what's going to be the next day after the next, right? That's knowledge. We know what's going to happen next. Back a couple hundred years ago, we didn't know what the next day was going to bring. Am I going to survive? Am I going to run across a bear or nature? Is there something going to happen? Or, you know, we can go a thousand years ago. It's even, even different. So there was always that, what's going to show up next and be grateful that I survived. We don't have those threats anymore, at least in first world countries. And so because of that, we get into this redundancy of things. And that's what the ego, that's what logic does. That's what, you know, those kind of processes do. Tomorrow's going to lead to the next day because of X, Y, Z. This is going to be like this. This is what I did at my job yesterday. It's going to be like this again today. It's the same old crap, just another day. I hear that often. And that's where knowing and thinking how things should be. Rather than saying, taking studies, taking everything, I tell people, use them as tools. Don't think it's going to be that way. Just say, it might be like this, but it might be something totally different. And it might not even work out altogether. But test and experiment. Experiment on these things with your life. Of course, if they're not harming or anything. But it's one of the things you can try something out or I'm going to try this idea out. Let me see what happens here. I'm going to want to do this for a little bit and experience that. And start to choose experiences rather than think this is how it's going to be and condition that experience to say this is the outcome and this is how it should process and so much more. Yeah. Wow. The brain will create problems so that it could keep doing what it does best, which is solve things. But now they're kind of artificial, random uh, problems that aren't really problems. And so that's kind of the source of all of this confusion, misery. And it does feel like we're going backwards in many sense. I often wonder about that. Are we just going backwards? Yeah, from a neural development standpoint. And what I mean by this, I mean resiliency, how we can handle things. I'll use sports as an example. If you look at sports athletes just 50 to 70 years ago, they can take on so much more than athletes of today. I always look at pitching and I always blow my mind. Like Noel Ryan or many others, but they'll go pitch a full game. Next day, they'll go pitch another full game. They didn't have any rotator cuff issues. They didn't need surgery, you know, down the road. Or even nowadays, if they throw 100 pitches, they're considered to be too high. And they say, well, way pitchers are throwing today or this and that. And it's like, no, we can't handle stress anymore. We're not challenging ourselves. We're not challenging our nervous system. And, and the thing about the body is this. There's a few different main laws. And one of them, we all know, what you don't use, you lose. And what you abuse, you lose. That's the opposite of it. So if we don't challenge our nervous system in some shape or form every single day, we lose that resiliency over time. And so is that part of the evolving in some way? I would say yes, because we're not challenging this beautiful, amazing tool that we have called the body to be that vessel to allow our soul have an experience in this life to the max of its potential. So here's an example, thermostat in your house. We could change the temperatures in our house to what we want it to be. Where 100 years ago, they had to adapt to heat and then cold and so forth. Research shows that, and again, it's just research, doesn't mean this is all, but it shows that cold immersions, heat exposure, that actually helps us for longevity. You know, saunas and things like that, cold immersions in the cold water and plunging and showers and all that, ice baths. And why does that work? Challenging the nervous system. You're challenging this body. It's just like working out. You don't get muscles unless you challenge your body. Yeah, that's awesome. And so we are where we are, right? These are the conditions we now have that we have to work with. If somebody came to you, well, how can I create like a healthy sense of uh, challenging myself and healthy stressors and like paint a picture for us? Or what would a, a healthy, stressful life look like? Know that stress is always going to be a stress is good or bad unless you, the individual, deem it to be so. Right? That's how powerful we are. I mean, life has no meaning except what you give it to. So 
couple different things I would look at when it comes to this. First, you want to start with small increments of something. So take a cold shower, right? Or try to sit in silence, meditate, right? And that's tough nowadays. Before, five, 10 years ago, it was still a challenge, but it wasn't as bad. Now, because our attention span is less than a goldfish, which is around eight seconds, probably seven seconds now, it's one of those things where just sitting with oneself, oh, that's, that's scary for a lot of people. But over time with practice, as you know, it gets better, it gets easier and so forth. But there's so many different tools, but like increment stuff. Sometimes I recommend breath work for some people. Now, you notice I'm giving a variety because again, no cookie cutter system. I'll tell my clients right off the bat, like if they're looking to, well, we're going to try to center their energy. So I'll be like, okay, I can give you about 15 different things that you can do to center your energy. I'm going to have you choose, here's five, do all five, try them out one at a time and just see which one felt the best, which you felt more like a reset. Did you feel that? And I'll give them examples of what to feel. And then they'll come back and go, man, that breath work. Oh my God. I cried at the end. I felt a release. I was able to just disconnect with all these things, all my racing thoughts. And I'm like, okay, breath work 90 days. That's what I want you to do. But if you ever feel empty or you're not getting to that point, then we may have to come back and revisit because it could be either. And this is what I find most of the time in their mind, they got to the doing phase. It's like a checklist instead of just do the breath work and just be centered, get back. And usually when they do that, they're like, oh my God, there it is. And then the second thing I always tell them, like, don't expect to get the same results every single time. But those are things that you can do is simple. Cold showers, it's as simple as that. That's going to challenge you. Get used to get taking a cold shower. That will shock your nervous system. I mean, cold water or heat, being in a sauna, that will be something that mimics stress in life. Mm. And when we stress, and it's a good stress, you can allow yourself to start to build this resiliency back. And then when you do deal with stress in life, you don't have that immediate reaction. You can actually respond instead of reacting. Oh yeah. Responding over reacting. That is key. And I love what you said in there. The, the second piece of like not uh, setting expectations that you're going to have the same experience again. Now that's a lot easier said than done. <laughs> I think meditators, when they first start out and they have that first moment of bliss and then you just can't help but expect it again. And that expectation then blocks you for forever, it seems like. To, but do you have any recommendations? How do you not expect an experience that you've had to happen again? You know, it's hard. I can give you all these scenarios, but like even for me, sometimes I'll have like a real good deep meditation. It'll take me out and I'll come back and go, where the heck did I go? And so my next meditation is a little inkling in the back of my mind going, okay, can I just get a portion of that? And let me just see how deep I can get back into this. So it happens to me too, but Again, it's like anything else in life. You just have to let go of your expectations, right? But what you can do is a lot of times if I had something, a breath work or a journaling session or whatever that may be, and it just took me into a place I was like, oh, I love where I was at. The next time I'll just do some breathing and just like disconnect and just say, bring whatever it is needed. Sometimes I even give myself a pep talk because my mind needs to listen to these things. I have a very strong left brain. I have to take it by its hand and walk and I can't just say, you're out, dude. I'm going with the right brain here today. Uh, it doesn't like that. But it'll be one of those things where it's just, like, hey, thanks for last time. That was a great experience. But here, I'm just going to let go. And I just get into the zero point or uh, the gap or the void or whatever you want to call it. And then I just let go. And usually when I can get to that point, and this is what I've learned through my own meditation practice and all the stuff I do, is that I just try to get to this point And then my expectations just get let go. Because it's like this beautiful feeling or just this emptiness. And I'm just like, I'm just going to the emptiness. And whatever shows up, shows up you know, just really seeing it in your head that like, you're going to get whatever you need at this time and you'll always get what you need. So yes, that last time you had that bliss experience, you needed that bliss experience for some odd reason. 
This next time, if you're expecting it, you're blocking it. But if you just go, it, you may not get it. And that's okay. You got what you needed. Maybe you just needed the time to rest. Maybe you just needed to shut the mind off for a second. Our minds like to keep things very logical in a certain process. And this is how it should be. Very systematic and compartmentalized. But life, as you and I know, is like a sine wave. It's up and down, different variables, different colors. You get the color green, but you may get a tone different than the last time. And, that, and that's kind of more of the variance of what life really is. And when we can start to embrace that, that teaches us then when we can master that, that's our practice. And then we can master that in life and be more open to the variances of what life brings to us. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I love these depictions. It's so tangible the way you describe it. Now, I want to get a little more philosophical, go back to something you said in there a moment ago of life has no meaning. So elaborate a little bit on that because there's so much there, I think. There is. Let's take a little science to it, right? Sometimes you make that statement. It's like, hold up here. What do you mean life has no meaning? Well, we go back to the exerber effect that was done or the double slit study done in, in quantum physics in, or quantum mechanics, I should say. But what, what they were looking at, again, is just seeing how photons reacted if they put them through a slit. And they expected these photons to go through this in a specific way. And they're like, they're only going to be able to do this. And this is what we're going to see. And so when they looked, they followed the beautiful pattern, right? They expected them to go into one straight line. They saw that. It was like, okay, they're doing what it's supposed to. Well, they left the sensors down. They looked away. And over time, it went back to a wave pattern, which means a lot more in the middle. And it thins out. It goes as it gets wider. So there's little gaps in between. And they fade out. And so they're like, wait a minute. Do we mess up? What happened here? So they kept doing it over and over. They thought they did the experiment wrong after they kept getting the same results. So they made two slits. And like, okay, this is how... It's going to do this. And here they go through the same thing. Long story short, basically, what it ended up showing was that when they were looking to see the photons act in a certain way, it literally changed the behavior of those photons to respond to the way that they expected. So life has no meaning except what you put on it. Anything in life is all going to be based upon the perspective of what you see it as and what you believe and what you see it to be. So when we start to understand that power, and this is not anything new, science is just catching up. You can read stuff 5,000 years ago, read the I Ching, which was 2,500 years ago by Lao Tzu. He has stuff there that will tell you the things I just said right now. And so it's, it's one of those things where we start to understand that everything that you experience, you're manifesting. You are a master at manifesting. Yes, it may not be what you want, but remember, you're always manifesting things into your life. All things come from non-physical to the physical. One thing about the observer effect is when we look at the wave pattern, that's non-physical, infinite possibilities. When we focus, then we put it all into a particle and we brought it into the physical existence. So when you look at your life, every time you're putting a belief, every time you're putting a thought, anytime you're putting energy to something. So let's say this event, let's say you had a trauma in your life and you hold on to the low vibration of that because you're focusing on that low vibration. And it doesn't matter what kind of trauma it is. It's trauma at the end of the day. And you keep holding that. That has power over you. You're going to continue to have that same experience, that same vibration, that same everything. Now, somebody else could have went through the same trauma, but they saw that as a blessing. And it sounds weird sometimes. But even in my podcast, I've interviewed a lot of people who had trauma. When I get to this point at the end of the conversation, I always ask, was that a blessing when you look back at your life now? And they go, I never had anyone say no yet. And so they saw that and going, but that helped me with this. This gave me the strength of this. This gate told me that I do have my own power. No one can ever take it away from me. There's two different experiences with the same event. So life in every aspect will always have no meaning. Life is just life. But what we get power to and what we choose is what's maybe good for us and what's bad for us, 
that's us being the true creator of who we really are. Yeah. Wow. So powerful. Now, digging into that a little more, often in hindsight, it is easier to see the lesson, right? To still take some wherewithal to go like, yeah, this had to happen. You know, a lot of people get to that point naturally. Now, is there something we can do that while things are happening, we can have that mindset? You know, it's one of the things, that's why I teach my clients, I do this for myself, is that it's very hard to calm down that monkey in your mind when you're going through things, right? It's very hard. And we all have different subconscious programs, how we were developing from zero to six. Where was our support systems at? Did we have them? Did we not? Were we loved? Did we show? There's all those variables that play a role to how we're going to respond to things. But what I say is that our mind, again, remember the limitations of our mind. And now I'm going to share it a little differently. Our left brain can only process, give or take, you know, seven bits of information, plus or minus one or two every second. It may seem like a lot, but when you look at the right brain, it's millions, a million plus per second. So what does that all mean? When we try to figure something out when we're in the moment and what this means for us, you're not going to. You're going to stress yourself out more. You're going to go overwhelmed, all those different things. The left brain cannot understand because we're in a place where it's like, I don't know what this means. You were looking at that very sliver of perspective where compared to the universe and everything else can see full picture. If we go to that level, and all of a sudden we're sitting back going, yeah, this is why this is happening because it's going to lead me to this, 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 and this, and then I'll be right there. Beautiful, done. You're not going to be stressed. But that's not life. That wouldn't be fun for us. We wouldn't come here to play this game. But at the end of the day, what you can do, because I go through the same thing. There's times where I'm like, something happens and I go, oh, crap. I'll go into that fear for a little bit. My mind will start racing. Then what I do is I start to calm myself down. I reset my energy as much as I possibly can. And then I'll tell myself, I may not understand what the hell's going on right now. I don't get what's happening here. I don't know if this is going to be good or bad. I don't know. But what I do know is this, and there's, there's things you have to believe and you got to hold on to, even in these dark moments or these, these challenging moments. And it's always saying that this is always going to work out for the greater good. Always does. It always works out for the greater good. Your mind may want to play a game with you on that. Just look back in your life when you went through a struggling time and it worked out to be the greatest gift you've ever had. You're going to still have to go through the process. But what it will do is just reset the energy. And this is like breath work. This is that meditation. When I have clients that are really stressing about something, things aren't going the way they wanted to, I tell them, go fill up a tub with ice. And I want you to go in there for a minute or two. Journal right before you go in how you feel. Go jump in. I want you to hold for at least a minute. Breathe like crazy. I don't care if you sound like a train coming through, steam engine. You're going to do whatever you have to do. Just make sure you breathe. And then when you get out, I want you to take about a couple minutes, get, get, get the water off, then journal. Because what's going to happen is your brain's going to go into survival. Can't give energy to what's negative. And so allow you to reset a little bit. So the key answer that I'm sharing with you is it's very hard for us to see the big picture. We have to go through the motions. We can't really tell what life's happening to us and what it means. Because again, we have that very small sliver of perspective. The key thing, what you can do though, is reset your energy and keep it reset as much as possible. That's with, like I said, breath work, grounding, meditation, journaling, self-reflection, get into gratitude. Um, these are just simple tools that you can use. Go do a workout or whatever that may be, whatever that helps you reset. That's going to be the more important thing because when you do that, that's not going to allow you to keep attracting and focusing on the, the, the quote unquote negative or the bad. And instead, it's just going to keep you more centered so that you can keep knowing that A, it's all happening for a greater purpose. It's all working out for the greater good for myself. And then B, if it's a door that's shutting or whatever it may be, I always say if the door shuts, there's a greater one that's open. And when I started to really believe in this stuff more and more, it has blown my mind how things have started to connect. When I did look back, wow, I didn't get this over here. But man, that made me self-reflect and gave me some clarity. And if I didn't have that, I wouldn't have that clarity. And then I wouldn't be able to pay attention to the next opportunity that came and so forth. 
Yeah. Does that help? Wow. Did I answer that question? Yeah, super powerful. Uh, that bit in there that you mentioned of like activating some of that survival instinct prevents us from spinning into negative loops. I mean, that by itself is super powerful and then kind of speaks to what we were saying before about how if we're just floating aimlessly without any stressors in our life, our whole system doesn't perform as, as well. So I feel like I can throw any question at you and you're going to instantly start painting a, a masterpiece for us here. So it's been such a pleasure, such a joy. You have such vast knowledge. How can listeners connect with you? Where can they find you? Yeah, the easiest is my website, empoweryourreality.com. That has everything there, books, social media stuff, my podcast, a couple of free eBooks on there you can go look at. And if anyone's like, man, I like what you were talking about. I'm open up into coaching or looking at that. There's access to get connected with me there too. Super, super. Thank you, Victor. Such a pleasure. Oh, it was all mine. Appreciate you, brother. Awesome. And to the listeners, thanks for tuning in. This was this week's episode of the BU Podcast. As always, make sure to check out my website, Sirach.com, and follow me on social media at Chris Sirach. Until next time, be happy, be free, be you.